Tuner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. And it's a, uh, it's warming up now. It was chilly when we got into. I think it was colder inside than it was outside. I think it was. It's like (laughs) it was like thirty degrees this morning here in Chattanooga, and like the AC in this building was sixty (laughs) six. It was like impossible to get warm. We were going to start like burn barrels and everything. (laughs) It was uh, cold just in time. So now we can sweat on air. So like we'll go from uh, sweet, comfortably cold, uncomfortably warm. Very good. There fantastic. Go. I'll do it. Big game, big weekend of games. It was cold all weekend. I stayed in and I watched a lot of football, and I got to yeah. see. You see Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, and Tennessee. It's your top five right there. Who's winning it all? Uh, after this weekend and watching what was going on, man, going between the two, I did not see Michigan. I didn't watch that game, but I'm going uh, Vols were most impressive to me, man. Georgia, I saw a team that could be beat. Yeah. What do you think about 11-26? You're going to have Michigan versus OSU. Ah, uh, man, I can't wait for that game. I always love that game every mm-hmm. year. I like our chances. Uh, it's in Ohio. It's at Ohio State. It's at the shoe. I'm looking forward to but, uh, man, it's 2026. 2026, expand the field to 12 teams. I agree. And you get the uh, element of win and you're in, right, from the major conferences, right? You win your conference, you're in. None of these guys getting left out and stuff like that. Because even, like, out. Oregon could win and be left out. Or, no, actually, they lost. Hey, we're, weekend, so. we're parting ways after the show. I'm heading over to Albuquerque to go to Torque to uh, test out one of their uh, autonomous trucks over there. They wow. got a full day of events set up. So got to go to Chattanooga Airport, DFW, into Albuquerque, getting late tonight. Yeah. Early morning, full day there. I fly back Wednesday, which That's means a- also on Wednesday, you are hosting What the Truck uh, Alone or with a special guest. Oh, I have a special guest. Shall I name him? If you feel like it. It is Taman's own Ryan Pamplin going to be here on Wednesday for me. So don't miss that. It's going to be great. Well, excellent. Well, I'm going to ask him where the heck those blimps are. Ask him Ask him <laughs> how many words in the English language have the letter sequence Q-U-E in it twice. Right? And he's probably watching right now. He's a big fan. So oh, he, he may understand. He it's may Albuquerque. Know. It is Albuquerque. <laughs> it's also the hot air, hot air balloon capital of the world. You know, I've seen videos. I've never got to see it. That would be very cool. I've seen some hot air balloon festivals in South Florida. Very cool. So F4 is in Chattanooga, but what if we put F5 in Albuquerque? One of the experience could be like hot, hot air ballooning, breaking bad set watching. I, I love it. I love it. Torque autonomous truck rides. They're I actually, it. speaking of Breaking Bad, they were one of the first places to offer tax breaks to Breaking Bad, which is why it took place there. Oh, is that right? It well, is. it was perfect. I'm glad they did because the setting was awesome for it. I, I love Albuquerque, dude. Are you going to spend any time out there? It's a beautiful area. I mean, it's a full day with work. We're even going out yeah. to dinner with them, so I don't know if I'll have much time to do anything in Albuquerque, but I'll, I'll take a look around. Yeah, it's once you see it, you'll probably be like, you know what? i got to come back. It's beautiful. Well, we got a lot going on today. We have the author of a new Christmas trucking children's book. We also have Trucker Tools CEO is going to take us on her career journey, and she's going to share uh, strategies for surviving the down market. There's a ton of headlines. There's a ton of news. There's a ton of content on the show. So let's tip the band, and then we'll bring you to headlines. Surge Transportation now offers digital autonomous load booking for our carrier partners. Visit loads.surgetransportation.com 24-7 to book loads at competitive market rates with the click of a button. What else can they do? Yeah, you can also book it now through leading industry load boards. So go there, man. Headlines. Not good news to start the week. It's supposed to be peak season, but it's not FedEx Freight to begin driver furloughs next month in December, right? 
Yeah. It's supposed to be peak season, man. Well, Mark yeah. Solomon reports FedEx freight, the less than truckload arm of FedEx, the nation's largest LTL carrier since Saturday, it will furlough an undetermined number of drivers starting in early December. Undetermined? I guess they probably know that number. The furloughs are scheduled to last about 90 days all through the holidays, during which time affected workers will continue to receive health benefits and will start to be allowed to file for unemployment benefits in their respective states of residence. Um, some wow. eligible employees will be offered permanent transfer opportunities to other markets that have hiring needs, the unit said. So you might not be totally cut, but definitely a disruptive uh, season. Yeah, it really is. The action was taken in response to slow macroeconomic uh, conditions, obviously, that have now started to impact LTL demand in recent weeks. We talked about this before. Truckload goes down, LTL goes up. But then if things stay soft, LTL segment starts to go down. Uh, it was shown very strong uh, growth coming out of the pandemic, but... Uh, Man, season volumes are off recently due to the economic, you know, you've got uh, CPI, inflation, and recession concerns. So, Well, here's even more. The FedEx Freight has been the best performer of FedEx's three transport units. It's two yeah. larger units, FedEx Express and FedEx Ground, have been hurt by high costs and slower-than-expected demand. It's really FedEx Freight where we're now really seeing yeah. that happening as well. They've uh, But they've focused on profit, uh, profitability and growth, and they've been willing to shed unprofitable tonnage to achieve that goal and it looks like this is the ne next step here they said you know what we're not going to need all of these forces on staff they're not the only ones just in amazon plans to lay off approximately ten thousand people as soon as this week that's out of the new york times now granted look you had two very confusing years 2020 yeah. 2021 you got a yeah. staff for a holiday sure. season you don't want to be left without enough workers or enough sure. drivers or any of those things so some Overhiring, I guess, could be expected, but uh, it's just another sign that the demand's not there to support that overhiring. Yeah, I mean, they built up due to due to demand, and and you know, LTL takes a while to see it. You know, when it starts to come down, Amazon obviously ships doesn't ship a lot of truckload, and uh, also, so you you start to see this type of stuff. Uh, the the concerning part to me is that it's happening so early, right? It, it yeah. really after December, you're playing. Well, after the second week of December, you're playing, you know, racing up and down the hallways in, in wheeled chairs and stuff like that in LTL, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's starting a little bit early. And um, no, these, I mean, these are crunch times if you've yeah, been in that space. Air freight, is. too. Here's another one. FedEx dumps 40 flights, grounds aircraft as shipping demand wanes. Air freight, another space I worked in, gets super, super competitive and tight during this time of year. Yeah. Except not right now. Eric Coolish reports FedEx is scaling back the number of flights it operates and putting aircraft in temporary storage to offset falling revenue from sinking e-commerce demand uh, following that pandemic boom. Again, hard to uh, right-size yourself to all this stuff. Mm. The, express, the express delivery giant in October eliminated eight to nine daily international freight frequencies and about 23 domestic frequencies to help achieve 2.2 to 2.7 billion accelerated savings. After uh, announcing a steep drop in those quarterly earnings, CFO of Mike Lenz, he said Tuesday to the Baird Global Industry Conference that the bulk of the savings will now come from that express division. Right. And that express uh, delivery provider uh, plans to chop eight to nine more domestic frequencies this month and is temporarily parking uh, aircraft because fewer are needed. He added, uh, and also the plan is to structurally lower costs by $4 billion starting in fiscal year 2025. Here's the thing, though. They're getting to use capacity maintenance right here. Interesting term. They said uh, it's, it is an operationally and financially flexible way to manage capacity. A lot of what's being parked and what's being warehoused right now 
they say are planes that need maintenance anyway. So lower demand, take the time to go and fix those ones up. That's what they're saying. At least sticking yeah, to it for no, now. Makes, makes sense. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta control your costs. No doubt about it. You Unfortunately, don't the market too much either, I guess. So yeah, keeping some yeah. of those numbers a little low. Uh, U.S. imports, and here's the reason for all this, U.S. imports from China are falling faster than any other country. Greg Miller reports, according to new data from Descartes, U.S. containerized imports in October were flat uh, versus September. Imports from China fell 5.5% month on month. Um, The decline from China was entirely offset by gains in Thailand, South Korea, Taiwan, uh, Japan, other countries. In September, their data showed a 12% plunge in total U.S. imports versus August. Yeah, Chris Jones, executive vice president of industry and services at Descartes, told American Shipper, you could see that during the highly publicized lockdowns earlier in the years, there was still a healthy flow of goods out of China. However, there were also highly publicized comments by major retailers and others saying that they were reducing their international purchases largely out of China and looking for alternative sources, reshoring or somewhere else shoring. And that's starting to take effect and impact now. And last Monday, the Chinese government said that the uh, October export results were actually far below expectations. So all these uh, all these storylines we've been talking about all year, they're really starting to meet in the middle and hitting at the wrong time, which is right during peak season when you don't want that. Yeah, no, we don't. And going into the holidays, rather be celebrating, right? Yeah, you know, freight, sometimes you got to keep your head in a swivel. You're driving down yeah. the freeway when this happens. As he just cruises down to some good metal music. Yeah, which I enjoy he's just quite listening a bit. to the beat, watching. He's just uh, like, yeah, that that seems expected to me. Watching hell go on, be around him. Well, we got a, we got a very special guest over in the green room, so let's bring him up. It's Anthony Book over at Long Haul Trucking, who is also not just a, a marketing guy, but apparently now he's an author what? as well. Anthony, thanks so what? much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on today, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, I want to uh, I want to congratulate uh, some of the drivers on your team. I saw on. Your LinkedIn earlier this spring, you named a number of million milers. I think we have a, a picture of them there. Great, great accomplishment. Well, that's up. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what long haul trucking does, just in case people aren't familiar? Yeah, absolutely. So long haul is an employee-owned um, asset-based fleet of flatbed Conestogas and step-deck Conestogas. Mm-hmm. Um, so we operate about 350 trucks, about 220 owner-operators, about 130 company guys. We've been in business for 36 years and take a lot of pride in offering a really exceptional um, driving career for a, a professional truck driver. Yeah, that that is amazing. Was one of those gentlemen in there a law enforcement provider as well? Is that right? Yeah, so we thought that it would be kind of cool to celebrate the, um, you know, I think that the the biggest number in this group was 3 million safe miles, and we figured who better to be there to hand them their uh, gold watch for that much time of safe driving than a member of the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Oh, okay, great. So he's not a driver. He's there giving them their gold watch. That is tremendous. No, yeah. Just all about showing alignment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Andy, what's that? Let, let me, Conestogas, not everyone deals with Conestogas. What makes a Conestoga different than uh, your just straight, regular uh, trailer? Um, so a Conestoga is a flatbed at its core that has a tarping mechanism built on top of it. Um, so it can fro- roll um, tight to the front or the back. You can load it with a crane, with a forklift from the side. You can drive on it from uh, dock height, uh, but it offers really exceptional protection for any um, covered flatbed freight. So from the driver's standpoint, it's nice because you never have to throw tarps. 
you just pull the cart curtain closed and you're on your way. We actually, we got to hear from some of your drivers in this little spot right here that I pulled off your site. Roll this little clip. I've driven 3 million safe miles and delivered thousands of loads. I found a great job and turned it into an amazing career and made a good life for my family. When the world stopped in 2020, we kept going to deliver the things our country needed. Times change and American truckers carry on. I'm proud to drive for long haul trucking. America does not work without truckers. Long haul trucking. Driven by our family. Driving for yours. Very cool. Where are you guys located out of anyway? Albertville, Minnesota. So just outside of the Twin Cities. Ooh, nice. How are things uh, yeah. How are things up in Minnesota right now? It's, it's getting cold down here. There's snowy. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I thought that clip that you showed of the truck spinning out might have been live footage from this morning because we woke up and uh, great Vikings win yesterday. Uh, huge yeah. game against Buffalo. And then yeah. we woke up this morning to snow. So we got right back down to reality pretty quick. Yeah, so everyone was like texting me during that game. I was watching with a bunch, and they texted me um, when Minnesota failed to get it on Fort Dad, and they're like, oh, it was a great game, and they lost. Yeah. And I'm like, but Buffalo has it yeah. on like the inch line. Like, hold on, let's see if they can get out of the end zone. I thought he was almost going to pull the old Belichick move where you just take the safety so you can kick it because yeah. they were that close. And that's the reason Belichick used to do that is because sure. you fumble it right there. I mean, that brought to overtime. Minnesota took the game. And, you know, you guys in Minnesota, it was like the, the teams that had lost four Super Bowls versus each other. So, you know, one of you had a win. Well, somebody had to win. And it's actually funny. The, so the player right there behind me, number 54 linebacker, Aaron Kendricks, he's the one that recovered the fumble in the end zone. So needless to say, there's a lot of sports fans at long haul trucking. And I think everybody's heart rate's still a little elevated this morning after all the theatrics in that one. Well, hey, NFC is wide open and it looks like it could be, yeah. it looks like it could be Minnesota's year. We'll see. Try not to get too excited as a Vikings fan. So what? Uh, <laughs> love the, love so the team a- to death, but. You wrote a children's book. How many children's books have you written before? This is the first one. Well, tell us a little bit about it. Why did you decide to write a uh, Christmas-themed trucking children's book? Um, So trucking is obviously one of my greatest passions, and then so is writing. Um, I'm fortunate to work for a company that allows me to try to use some of my writing skills to help promote both our company brand and then um, we're big on promoting the industry image as a whole. And that's really what the book was meant to do. Um, so it's dedicated to um, all the truckers and all the all the hardworking professionals out there over the holidays that are um, in the book. It says helping Santa make those last minute deliveries. Um, but really, at its core, it's 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 a story about teamwork. Um, it's a story about appreciation for American truck drivers. And it's it's yeah something that um, the, the inspiration just kind of came and just ran with it. And. Yeah, now it's turning out to be pretty special, and we're pretty excited about it. It's pretty awesome, and and I, I've read through it, and I think it's really, really well done. But you managed, manage, you said utilizing your writing skills. What have you written before? You haven't done children's books. Are, are you an author of, of novels or anything? Ooh. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I used to write a little bit more freelance when I was uh, coming out of college and a um, little bit more on the, I guess, adult I, just more novels than anything else, short stories, what have you. Um, big, big into film, things like that. So I, I used to write just kind of non-sequential different stories. Um, but I always enjoyed um, rhyming in my in my writing. And I was like, well, 
what better place to do that than a children's book where we can have it rhyme all the way through and have some fun with it. And yeah, it, um, it turned out a little bit better than I expected. And I'm just really grateful to work for a company that allowed me to do something like this. Now, Anthony, do you have the book in front of you? I do. Yeah. So this is it. This is the finished copy. Um, so it's a little bit of a, I had, it's funny. I had some family over this weekend and my cousin goes, it's kind of a long read. Um, it's a it's a story about a young man named chris and his trucks who go out in the woods and they're always doing different adventures and they yeah they kind of save the day but there it is hey look we have a little christmas music we can play in the background would you do us the honor of reading us a little bit of of the book oh i'd be happy to yeah Um, excellent roll uh roll the music and we'll let him catch the beat and then he can uh start rhyming away perfect Little Peanuts, Little Peanuts Gang. It's perfect. This is perfect. So I'm going to start a little bit into the book, but it kind of catches on theme with the holiday spirit, okay? Sure, sure. It was December 23rd. The small northern town was abuzz. Chris and his five trucks were playing some of the games that they love. Let's go into the woods, said Chris with a grin. We'll play hide and seek. Pete said, okay, I'm in. At once, Chris started to count while the rest went to hide. Once his counting hit 20, he ventured outside. Ready or not, here I come, hollered Chris while searching around. When he noticed a shiny red sleigh and some reindeer down on the ground. Suddenly the team huddled around with a flash, only to find nine reindeer, a sleigh, and a heavy gold sash. Thank goodness you're here, shouted a voice from afar. We got lost in these woods looking for the northern star. Oh no, shouted Pete. As the truth finally sank in, are you who I think? Are these reindeer your friends? Oh yes, said the voice as he walked towards Chris and the rest. They now could see his white beard red suit and gold buttons that ran down his chest. But tomorrow's Christmas Eve, exclaimed Chris with a worry. Santa responded with so many children waiting for gifts. I'm in quite a hurry. Then let us all help you, said Pete with a smile. With our trucks and your sleigh, delivery won't take but a short while. There's only one problem, replied Santa to Pete. When we got lost in these woods, the branches tore up my seat. They cut through my seatbelt. It's not safe to fly. Pete looked at his teammates who cheered. Let's give it a try. From the sleigh to their trailers, they moved all the presents. As Santa crawled into Pete's cab, he thought, isn't this pleasant? So, Chris, Santa, and Pete, they saved the day. I, do you want me to keep reading? <laughs> I, I, I was just it. mesmerized. I was, just, I, was I, like, I was enjoying it. I was just having a relaxing Monday listening to yeah, uh, the, was. the tones I, of your I Christmas felt like book. I was next to the fire and just listening to you talk, snowing outside. He was pouring hot toddies <laughs> over I was here. Ready, yeah, you know? I was mixing some hot toddies. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the process. I'm curious now, though. What was your process for writing the book? Did you start illustrating it first? Did you start writing the words? Where did the idea come from? Um, the idea actually, I was having a conversation with my father-in-law and he's like, how come you've never considered writing a children's book about trucking? And I said, well, that's a really good idea. And, um, um, I just kind of was like, well, okay, so what's the book going to be about? Obviously you want the trucks to be a, a, a meaningful play in it. Um, and, um, then the concept just kind of came for a while. 
if Santa goes down one day and needs a little bit of help delivering, you know, everybody's presents before Christmas morning, who's going to save the day better than a fleet of um, beautiful pickup or beautiful semi trucks to go load up all the presents and fly through the night with a little Christmas magic and get it done. Um, the illustrations were actually done by our company CEO's uncle, who happens oh, wow. to be a um, uh, art instructor at a college in northern Minnesota. So uh, his name is Paul uh, Paul Johnson, great guy, such a treat to work with him throughout the process. So I kind of did all the writing and then um, passed it along to him, and he put together a lot of the illustrations and he helped out with um, finding somebody to to print the book and we've got a, a bunch of printed copies now and yeah we um we're just grateful to hopefully get into the hands of some some truckers their family members people who might work in the industry who would have have uh, an interest in something like this and hopefully just kind of share a good positive word about about what we do as a as a transportation sector headed into the holiday season yeah how are you how are you going to distribute the uh the children's book um so right now the plan would be to just mail them out if somebody wants to order some um i can give you my email um we haven't decided to take it as far as putting it on amazon or anything like that at this point but um more more than happy for folks to reach out email me i have a a a quick line of communication with the printer so we can keep printing them and send them out to as many people who might want them I don't. I don't see why uh, a trucking company wouldn't buy these and hand them out to their drivers because it sure. is quite a. As a, as a father, I, I would read this to to, to my kids. Or right? how about this? How about, if you're a trucking company, right? It's Challenge awesome. for trucking companies out there. Uh, even if you can't get the book, like download the PDF. Oh yeah. Have your drivers record themselves reading it. Yes. And then give like a Christmas gift to the one who does the best job reading it. That's That'd a be great really cool idea. That's a great idea. I have one, one, one. Yeah. Which, which one of these guys is the Conestoga? Pete, Pack, Yoko, Bib, or Ken? Um. So, <laughs> in the illustrations, we let. Um, well, let me look because you can see they're different <laughs> and some of them. I would I, probably have to go with Pete. Yeah, I was just going to say like I, he's got. That. I was going to yeah. say he's got your logo on the side. It looks like right there. That, but it's probably him, right, Pete. He does, yeah, and everybody loves a red Pete, right? So yeah, yeah. where do these, where did the names well. come from anyway? I mean, Pete, kind of obvious, but where did Pack, Yoko, Bib, and Ken come from? Ken Kenworth? Uh yeah. So Pack um, also Pack. did come from the uh, inspiration of um, Packard. So yeah. Packard is the owner of Peterbilt, and then Ken is Kenworth, right? Um, Yoko, for, uh, we run a lot of Yokohama tires here. I was going to say Yokohama tires, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? That just sounds cool. And then, um, Bib, I was actually just playing around online and um, um, talking to my wife, and I was trying to come up with a name of it. And she was like, just think of like a like a short little blurb or like a Bib, just something cute. And I was like, well, let's just name it Bib. That's easy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Andy, before we let you go, what else is uh, what else is cool and new over at Long Haul Trucking? What should uh, what should be on people's radars? Um, right now, I think what's most excited, what we're really excited about, is just the. Um, the energy that we've got going on for the end of this year, a lot, a lot of people are having hopefully very, very successful um, 2022s and enjoying the fact that freight's been very busy. Um, it seems like our customers have needed us and we've been able to kind of uphold uh, our ends of the partnership. And we're excited about the fact that um, if, uh, if, if there's opportunities for more drivers that want to consider coming into the Conestoga game or, or working for a company where you can be an employee owner, um, 
that's something that's really special about long haul is every single one of our company drivers are part of our employee stock ownership um, yeah. plan. And being that we're coming to the end of a year, we'll get a, a valuation and it's super fun and really meaningful to be able to um, pass along what everybody's stock values worth, especially to our drivers who work so hard all year round. And, and some of the, some of the success stories we've seen of people that have driven for us for years and um, because of the ESOP, can maybe now think about retirement in a way that they hadn't really been able to consider before. Those are some of our most special conversations and, and moments to be had here at Longo. You guys wouldn't happen to be hiring any office workers or drivers, were you? There's just been a lot of furloughs and layoffs in the news. So we're just trying to put out there who is hiring. I know in C.H. Robinson up in Minnesota area, they just had a, a bunch of uh, jobs let go. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I noticed that um, CH had that happen and I instantly went to our director of HR and I said, hey, let's put out a, a full-time position. Um, it'd be for, you know, we refer to them as dispatchers, but really um, there's so much more than that. We have a group of of 18 people that run our entire operations for 350 trucks. Um, it all starts with having drivers that that are incredibly professional and reliable and don't need a whole lot of babysitting. Um, and then from there, we're able to run pretty lean and have people in our operations chairs that work both directly with all of our um, shippers and the drivers. They do all of the planning, the customer service work, and the fleet managing kind of as a one-stop shop. So if you have interest in working for long haul, um, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, if you're a driver that would have interest in, interest in coming over to long haul as well, owner-operator positions, company positions. We'd love to hear from you and see if we can't find a spot for you on the team. Very cool. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. Yeah. One last time, people want to get that children's book. Where do I send them to? Yes, um, you can email me directly. Uh, my email is Anthony B. So that's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y and then B as in Bravo at longhaultrucking.com. And if for some reason you can't remember that, just go to our website, longholtrucking.com. You can give us a call and um, ask for Anthony, and I'll be able to take your order and look forward to sending out some good, positive Christmas cheer, hopefully, to so many wonderful truck drivers out there and their families. Well, awesome. Good. I hope his phone's ringing off the hook. I hope it is, too. I hope books. he rused the day he gave out his email address and his phone number. Right yeah. Now. Well, take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Have a great holiday. So right on, man. Peace. Take care. Uh, Keep on trucking, brother. Well. Thank you. Take it easy. It's right. a great book. That was a great book. I, I it really was a great do. book. I'm really sure I'll even it. get you the PDF if you don't want the printed copy. So sure. reach out to him. Anyways, meanwhile. It's beginning to look a lot like this. <laughs> I don't like the cold. I hate the snow. It just has to go because I'm going to go instead. It's getting there. It's getting I, cold. Did, did, you know, the voice was good. It almost sounded like Bing Crosby himself. I, I we should have had the children's book read to that song, to that <laughs> yeah. trucker singing that with you the beeps think? and all. <laughs> with the beeps and all. <laughs> anyway, surge transformation now. Oh wait, sorry. XBO is driven to put your freight first with coverage in ninety nine percent of U S zip codes as well as key routes in Mexico and Canada. XBO will help you get your shipments where they need to go on right. time and damage free. All fine-tuned by over 35 years of world-class LTL experience. Learn more. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to ltl-solutions.xpo.com. Now, this nice guest, we last saw her in Chattanooga just yes. about two weeks ago. It's Carrie Jablonski. She's a CEO over at Trucker Tools, and she's here with us today. Also, you know what I learned? What? In uh, stalking you... her background, I found um... out that she's also a masshole. Oh, Same wow. Same All right. This is true, right? I sure am. <laughs> Where did you grow up? <laughs> I grew up in Wellesley, right outside Boston. Oh, I was in Needham. I was like a town over from you. 
Did you wow. go to Needham High? No, so I went to Catholic, I went to um, Pollard Middle School for just like the middle school thing, but for high school, I went okay. to Catholic Memorial and then uh, Cambridge School of Weston. I transferred my last year. Wow. Well, you know that Needham and Wellesley have the nation's oldest high school football rivalry. They've been playing yeah. for like 120 years on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, so we used to have this thing called the powder, powder puff game, and I don't know if you had got involved yes. in any of those, but all the girls would go to. And did your oh, high school? I thought so maybe all, you played. Yeah, no, we did so have like, powder puff. Like the day or two for <laughs> Thanksgiving, all like the girls would go down on the field. They'd beat yeah. each other up during this like yeah, yeah powder puff. football powder game. Puff yes, football, yeah. Except one year, so the team was called the Needham Rockets, and one year someone buried like a rocket in the field. I think this was like nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety. Oh, it was like a big deal. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Scary wow. Times. Serious yeah, rivalry. I, I, I played in that game uh, back in the day. Tight end on the uh, on the Wellesley uh, Wellesley Raider Power Pup team. Go yep. tight ends. Those that was were brutal. End. My sister was in some of those too, and I, you know, I saw the uh, the I injuries. coached one one year. You what? That, we coached the the football team. Coached the, really the Power Puff teams. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you teach? Uh, what do you coach? Uh, just try and get the killer attitude. Man. Killer, yeah, yeah. Just, like go for the knees. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, just yeah. How to break <laughs> limbs? I mean, that's back in the day when you led with the head, right? Knock yeah. them out, hurt them. Well, I'm, no, but so I was reading this bio when you, and like you made, you, you mentioned summer camp in it a number of times. And I was just wondering, I was curious, how good are you at GIMP? Oh, I, I can do them all. I can do the box stitch. I can do the tornado stitch. Give me, give me some GIMP. I'll make you a bracelet. Wow. <laughs> nice. Sweet. You've got, so this are, and we'll all get to trucker tools and, and what to do in this market. But I thought that I was reading this article and I thought it was really interesting it because was. there's always this fear too, when you get a job, right? You're going to fly to another country, you take this, this big job and then like, they might get sold by the time your flight lands. Um, <laughs> never happens to anybody, does it? No, no, that that's ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, that did indeed happen to me back when I was working at Uber. Um, Back in the kind of, you know, Uber still trying to take over the world days. Um, so I was working in the U.S. in the Washington, D.C. office and had an awesome opportunity to work internationally and go on assignment. And I was sent to this faraway place called Jakarta, Indonesia. I had to look mm -hmm. it up on a map when I found that I was going there. Um, long story, but uh, took, took a little bit to get a work visa, um, but was preparing to move, subletted my apartment, uh, was, was ready to go. And literally the day and actually the, the first meeting I had in the Jakarta office was a massive announcement that Uber was divesting from Southeast Asia, much like they had done in China and were closing the office that day. So I was the lone American over in this office with a couple hundred Indonesians, um, pretty chaotic but managed to uh, get through that experience and, and learn that can only control so much and, and no plan survives contact with the enemy. Wow. How long did it take you to convince them that you didn't know anything about it and you weren't there to shut it down? <laughs> I, I did get quite a few questions asking, like, are you HR here to bet, take our I job? Bet you did. I bet you um, did. I'm sure some people never really understood who I was and were like, who is this girl who just showed up here? Yeah. Uh, but I actually, I made a couple of friends just going through such an intense experience. Um, yeah. Still in touch with a number of folks from the Uber Indonesia team. Cause you end up going to go to, so they're like, Indonesia is done. You're going to Latin America, right? You do Uber eats Latin America. What was that experience like? Cause you know, that's logistics, right? And you're talking about very direct yep. customers, but you're also developing a brand new market out there. Was that interesting? Oh yeah, it was fantastic. So I moved to Mexico City after working briefly in Indonesia. Originally, I actually went down to work on the ride-sharing strategy team because Didi, the massive Chinese ride-sharing company, had just entered Latin America. So I spent mm -hmm. a couple of months figuring out basically how do we spend more money more efficiently than Didi and then move over to help build out the um, 
the Uber Eats uh, strategy and planning team across the entire mega region of Latin America. It was, it was fascinating. There was just, there were a ton of new entrants in the market at that point. This is like 2017, 2018 food delivery is really hitting its stride. And what was interesting about LATAM compared to the U S was that it was actually a riper market for anything delivery, um, grocery stores, flowers, you know, money, cash, anything. Um, it was a, it was a riper market than the U S I think earlier on really pre pandemic, uh, for a number of reasons, um, very different uh, unit economics and labor market down there, uh, much denser, highly trafficked cities. Uh, so it was it was fun to actually be working on things like you know quick grocery delivery before that really took off during the pandemic here in the U.S. Yeah, that makes sense. I was kind of wondering why that would happen, but now that you mentioned the density and the less of the urban sprawl, uh, that that really makes sense. That it would be riper. What were some of the problems uh, that you had to, that you encountered there? You had to overcome. Yeah. So super fragmented market, you know, tough to get mom and pop restaurants who might not have any technology at all onto a platform like Uber Eats. We also um, struggled a lot with delivery times. Some of these, I don't know if you guys have um, ever been down to Latin America, but Mexico City, Bogota, Sao Paulo are massive, massive cities, Mm -hmm. bigger than anywhere here in the U.S. And just, you know, getting around at rush hour is basically impossible. So figuring out how do we you know, have effective couriers getting folks their food, you know, in that kind of Uber Eats's sweet spot was 30 minutes or less at the time was really, really challenging. What's harder, uh, making sure truckers have all their tools or making sure people have their Uber Eats in Latin America? Because <laughs> somehow you made it over to uh, trucker tools, right? Yeah, well, I think one of them is probably a slightly more noble mission. Um, mm-hmm. I like to think we're really we're doing good here at Trucker Tools, empowering the small, small driver uh, owner operator. How did you, so you're on this, you're, you know, you're beating up, uh, other girls on powder puff games. You're, you're, you're going over to Latin Jakarta on a loop on a lark and you end up over in Latin America. And then you end up over at where you are now, trucker tools. How did that all come about? Yeah. So I joined trucker tools a little over a year ago after, um, our founders, you know, Prasad and Morali sold the business to Alpine Software Group, um, which is a middle market private equity firm that invests in founder-led businesses. And their ethos is people-first private equity. So they they bring operators to complement the existing team into the business and really give them kind of the resources and bandwidth to lean in and build a kick-ass team. I don't know if I can swear, but I feel like sure. I can on what the truck. Um yeah. So I joined, uh, I joined right after the acquisition, um, had met ASG through some previous work, and um, it was just a really great match. Given my background in logistics, obviously, I wasn't on the freight side at Uber, but working on ride sharing and eats, um, and also had spent a lot of time, like we just talked about, figuring out how do you grow and develop a business for scale. And that's exactly where Trucker Tools was. Awesome brand, awesome product. And now it's just time to put some gasoline on the fire and, and get us into the... Uh, into the computers of every brokerage in America. Yeah, no, you came out of a uh, CEO training uh, program, right? And you got you got into that while you were at, I believe it's Kellogg School of Business, right, at, at Northwestern. Can you talk about that a yep. bit? What is that about, the training program? How does that yeah, work? Yeah, so that's right. So right after Uber, I went to get my MBA up at Kellogg at Northwestern in Chicago, where I still live now, and met the Alpine team there. So they have this really unique um, model called the CEO and training program, Um you know, a lot of private equity firms will have this bench of management um, and operators ready to kind of come on and support the businesses that they buy. But they tend to be folks with uh, 
a couple more gray hairs than I do, if you will. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Alpine um, has flipped that model on that head on its head and realized that when they put hungry, um, less experienced, but um, you know, energetic people into uh, and, and folks with certain attributes like emotional intelligence, um, ability to overcome adversity, grit into these operating roles at companies, they saw the same, if not better results. And if they brought in management teams with much, much more experience and some more entrenched habits. So um, I joined that program coming right out of business school. And that's how I met um, Trucker Tools was, was through the program. Interesting. Right. You know, that that I'm glad you mentioned that too, because as we look at these furloughs and we look at some of these layoffs and we look at what's going on in the market, there's yeah. people that are going to be in positions right now where they got to go, what should I do next? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when the market is not great, going back to school can always be a great option. It is a great option. Like she, right? was, uh, she was talking about. So now you are at Trucker Tools. Trucker Tools is doing amazing. I love the booth you guys had over at Free. What is Trucker Tools, though, in 2022? Yeah. So Trucker Tools is a platform that helps brokerages digitize their business. There have been you know, new entrants like Uber, Freight, uh, Convoy that are really digital brokers. And, and it's our belief that every single brokerage can become digitized and compete effectively against non-digital -native, non native companies. Um, we've got two major sides to our platform. One is our real bread and butter, the load tracking platform that's been around mm -hmm. for years now. We've got a driver app that's been downloaded over two and a half million times out in the market. And it's it's got several free tools for small fleets, owner operators, um, gets them back into the app constantly, and then uh, also has a load tracking component. So uh, have super strong mobile tracking compliance on our br broker load tracking platform as a result. We've also really doubled down on the ELD network over the last couple of years as that's become more and more of a requirement from our broker customers. So we're now, you know, doing 30, 70 ELD mobile tracking um, and, you know, averaging close to 80% uh, compliance on the load tracking side. We've also got our digital freight matching platform, Smart Capacity, that helps you match the right truck with the right load using all of that data we're collecting um, from our load tracking platform and you know preferences that drivers and, and small fleets carriers are telling us about to then you know send out daily e email digests, um, a couple of other channels to make sure that we're getting cutting through the noise and getting the right truck in front of the um, or sorry the right load in front of the right truck for carriers to book totally digitally. Yeah, so Carrie, all those sound like excellent tools, obviously, and very useful during a time when people are throwing freight at you right and left to kind of manage what is going on in that exponential growth, which you can grow yourself right out of existence if you don't do it right, right? But in this market right now, how specifically can they use that to survive this type of down market? Definitely. So right now, what we're seeing in the market is that, you know, the last couple of years have been very transactional. Um, there's a ton of freight carriers really had their pick of the litter. And now as things have changed, um, a couple of things stand out. One is that the more that you've adopted tech and you're on top of that technology now, you'll be advantaged as the market weeds out some of those low performing carriers. Mm -hmm. um, getting those fundamental right, fundamentals right with tech can be a lot easier. Um, tracking loads consistently so you're not you know, jeopardizing anything on the shipper scorecard. Uh, we just launched our sonar integration actually a couple weeks ago. We're integrated on the broker side and have free uh, sonar track data available for all carriers with 50 trucks or fewer. Thank you, Freight Waves. Um, and what that means is that you can be um, using that data to make better offers faster and then speed up uh, that negotiation 
to make sure that you're, you know, getting a good, reasonable offer in front of broker eyes and based on what the market's doing. Um, searching for loads wherever you can, you know, not relying just on the phones, not relying just on email, um, being aggressive and getting onto those digital platforms like our driver app uh, so that you can be using that tech to pre-book freight and pre-book that, those backhauls rather than kind of playing your luck and waiting until the last minute to see if you can get a couple extra bucks. So just taking advantage of the massive technology that's uh, entered the space over the last couple of years can, can really help you, you know, get through the next couple of months, um, make sure that you're maintaining strong relationships and, and doing kind of holding up your end of the bargain with brokers and, and those will you know, pay dividends over the next few months. How important are because everyone, especially when it's down, all they focus is on are the rates on load boards, right? Mm. I'm getting X amount, X amount, but there's a bigger side of that picture, and that mm. is your fuel economy and your routing and how you're going mm. about to deliver these loads. How important is routing and fuel optimization? How underutilized is it by drivers? Shouldn't they be using this more often? Absolutely. Yeah. And we've got a great fuel and routing optimizer in our free mobile app, um, unlimited route searches available to every driver in America. And I mean, especially given what gas prices and what diesel prices have looked like over the last, feels like at this point, almost, you know, almost a year, um, at least six or seven months, uh, routing and fuel optimizing only makes more and more of a difference right now. Um, because, because those prices have been that much higher. So you're, you're really going to, and that's, that's where we see carriers, um, making a, making big changes to kind of shore up for this, this downturn is on the margins, just really nailing the, the quick wins, which is, you know, not burning fuel when it's costing six, $7 a gallon, um, and being really smart and deliberate with where they're going and how they're getting there can make a huge difference. It certainly can. And I mean, not not burning all that fuel is also quite impactful for your carbon footprint as well, right? I mean, there's the sustainability piece to that as well. What about driver lo uh, loyalty programs? How, how does this help that? Yeah, so we just launched our dri driver loyalty program a couple of weeks ago, and we've, we've seen a ton of adoption and interest from both drivers and from brokers. So this is a program that allows brokers to customize the rewards that they want to pass on for to drivers, specifically drivers, not carriers, for performing certain digital actions within the trucker tools ecosystem. So let's say you're a broker, you're really looking to get to 90% consistent compliance. You can actually um, bonus load tracks with our loyalty currency trucker points, which are valued at a penny a point, real um, monetary value that can be redeemed for digital gift cards in the app. You can um, say, you know, let's say you want to put 200 trucker points on a consistent load track. A driver then does that in the trucker tools app. It's passed on to them immediately and they're able to redeem for Starbucks gift card. So these are programs that we think are, are going to make a big difference in driving that digital behavior that brokers have been trying to do for years, but it's always been with a real like stick approach. You know, I'm going to withhold pay if, you know, the load isn't tracked or, or what have you. This is, this is a carrot. Um, and it's saying, Hey driver, we appreciate you. You are the one out there hauling the load. We're going to reward you for adopting these digital practices that we're looking for. Interesting. You know, so we had Adam Wingfield on the show on Friday and we were asking for advice in surviving a down market. And one of the things that came up was detention and everyone hates detention, but fighting for it. And um, should you be too afraid to fight for it in a down market so you don't mm. lose a ship? And he said, no, you absolutely should fight for it and good times and bad times. Do you have anything in trucker tools that can help with tracking detention or helping you fight that? 
Yeah. So we've, I mean, our tracking product is tracks every five minutes end to end. We've got geofencing capabilities. So every single kind of movement while you're tracking with the app is going to be captured and that so that you can make sure when you're working with that broker that you are, you know, getting your due and that they understand exactly where you are. Um, so all, all we're really providing is just complete visibility into driver location, whether that's through the app or through our ELDs. And the data then is, is right there and tough to argue with from a detention perspective. Wow. Yeah, because that is incredibly important, the, de- the uh, detention part. Of Fighting it and proving it and being able to prove it. And being able to prove it. Yeah, absolutely. And that visibility to shippers about seeing exactly where those shipments are is incredibly important. Sure. Stuff. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Terry, what else? Before we let you go, anything new and exciting on the horizon over at Trucker Tools people should have uh, on the radar? Yeah. So like I said, we're seeing a bit of a tracking renaissance, I think right now over the last couple of years, you know, tracking was important, obviously. Um, but in such a tight market, it was really just a, a kind of a, a nice to have what really mattered was finding a truck to haul a load. So we're really excited again about the, the massive strides we made from an ELD perspective. We've got over a hundred ELD providers integrated into our network. We're tracking at over 95% compliance with those ELDs. Um, and that's just a great supplement to the mobile app tracking that we have right now. So encourage anyone out there who's looking to diversify or try something out new from a tracking perspective to get in touch with us. And then on the uh, on the capacity side, you know, even even in a loose market, our belief is that brokers can continue to drive efficiency by doing more with less or more with the same amount of headcount. So we're building more automation tools. We demoed our smart negotiations tool that automates countering and acceptance of bids within a certain percentage of a max rate down at F3 in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And we're further building that out given the success we're seeing right now. We're you know, 5Xing the number of digital bookings some brokers are doing just with that tool. So we're building that out to be even more modular so brokers can customize the um, the sort of thresholds they have for countering and acceptance on different mm. lanes and in different time periods. Very oh, wow. cool. Well, That's hey, Carrie, really appreciate it. Thank you for coming down to Chattanooga a couple weeks ago. Glad we could connect with you. And uh, now that I know you are a fellow asshole, I will definitely have you on the show again in the near future. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I actually, I, I just found out I'm going to the Winter Classic at Fenway in January, which I'm pumped about. Wow, that'll be awesome. Well, enjoy it for me. Sweet. Have a good time on Yawkey Way. Take it easy, Carrie. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Peace. Good stuff, man. Wow. Sharp. They train you well in those, what is it, C- CEO in training programs? Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt going to Kellogg either. It's a pretty decent Yeah, it doesn't cool. hurt. <laughs> good cereal, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They make great yeah. cornflakes. Well, yeah. Not <laughs> terrible. All right. Let's go to, uh, let's round up the news of the, the weird and whatever. Uh, man steals an Amazon truck and leads police on chases. And I feel like we've been talking more and more about people stealing these delivery trucks, have we not? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's presence in those, theoretically. I would right? think, I mean, early, I, look, I got stuff coming all the time. I got kids' birthday at the end of, at the end of November yeah. there, so yeah. uh, there would be the Pokemon cards in there. It wouldn't be good. Well, WPRI reports a man is facing charges and allegedly stole that Amazon delivery van in Concord, New Hampshire. Oh, he man. led police on a chase through multiple towns. I don't think I have a picture of the van because it was in a, it was in a video, but it was pretty smashed up the front of it. State police said officers were notified around 2.45 p.m. on Sunday. Sunday that it, I don't know, Sunday too. Can you believe it? Yeah. That a truck had been the Sabbath. That a truck yeah, right? Had, doing work. On South Street, just giving people their packages. <laughs> it's ridiculous. During like a great weekend of football too. I know. Well, they were able to track it down by the cell phone. This idiot was driving around drunk on I-93 with his cell phone. He was a 40-year-old man named Richard 
Royia, he refused to get pulled over. His dumbass eventually drove down a dead end. <laughs> he got out the vehicle. He refused to stop, so they released the canines on him. Randy Savage took a bite out of crime, and uh, that was it. But stop yeah, shooting on trucks. The video of that interview, they had the guy. The guy comes on and said, "I was just sitting there, and then I hear all this commotion. Look out! There's dogs. They got guns. They yeah, got don't expect guy that. There. You don't expect that in Concord, New Hampshire. Not on a cul-de-sac, my friend. Of course not. It's this is you live there to not have that happen. It's absolutely crazy. Here's here's what happens. So some of the shadiest groups that you're going to find out there. Yeah. Asterix. This is just me anecdotally or cleaning groups. Because a lot of cleaning groups come into companies at night, right? Cleaning groups. Cleaning, cleaning groups. Oh, okay. Like cleaning yeah. companies. So here, yeah. listen to the story. 31 children were found working overnight on a meat processing plant kill floors in Minnesota and Nebraska. KNSI reports the U.S. Department of Labor has requested a temporary nationwide injunction against Wisconsin-based Packers Sanitation Services after discussed miners working in those conditions. The miners worked for a company they hired yeah. to go and clean the place. And apparently they use this place. So it wasn't the packing plants. It was their vendor that cleans it. It was the vendor. Yeah. So okay. it, was, it was outsourced. But the person they're outsourcing to is yeah. using nighttime child labor. <laughs> on a killing floor. <laughs> on a killing floor. And apparently it said, it's interesting, it says PSI to clean industrial equipment. A 13-year-old sustained caustic chemical burns and other injuries Ooh. on the kill floor, too. So they're getting hurt out there. They they are. So they didn't know what was going on, right? No, they did. They did. They did. Uh, the plan, I don't, I mean, come on. Well, it says that they were interfered with the investigation. They were intimidating the minor workers to not cooperate with investigators. Yeah. They also allegedly stole and deleted manipulated employee files to kind of cover it's it a mess. up. They knew exactly what it's they were doing. It's a mess that's going on over there. And you know what's <sighs> going to happen? I mean, look, and I don't know how much the processing plant knew, but... Uh, it seems like unless a deep investigation goes on it, they're probably not going to get in trouble. They already used the shield of the company to take the heat. Well, yeah, I mean, that's they have a vendor. Well, maybe they didn't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't maybe know. not. Who maybe knows, they don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but that, sometimes uh, you hire a company. They, they send illegal people. You can't help it. If you don't know, you don't know, right? But, I mean, you, I don't know. Sometimes you're the law and you go shopping at Walmart and you can't help it. You can't help it. I can't help thief. it if somebody else put this barcode on here. Sheriff's <laughs> deputy. Sheriff's deputy has lost his license over stealing $400 worth of Pokemon cards. What? That's right. Como News says a sheriff's deputy in Kansas reportedly lost his law enforcement Jeez. license. He was fraudulently trying to purchase these Pokemon cards. What? His name is William Knight. He's 32. He, um, let's see, according to several, several reports, Knight drew suspicion of an asset protection investigator, which I guess is like a security guard. No, that's a, I was a hydro porcelain engineer once. Oh, yeah? That's a dishwasher. Like a special oh, That's okay. a dishwasher. Yeah. I've been that, too, at a restaurant. Um, he was at the Reacher's. So, so he's in uniform. He's buying groceries. He's dressed like a cop, buying groceries and Pokemon cards. <laughs> uh, he tends to leave the store, right? And did he do, like, the, like the minor crime trick, do you think, of, like, ringing organic apples up as regular? No, that's exactly what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Like, it's probably like Italian parsley, right? Yeah. And he's <laughs> just like ringing up his lowest He's fruit. ringing up $400 with a Pokemon card. Well, he didn't get busted for that. He got busted for putting the wrong barcodes. He was taking barcodes off other cheaper items, and he was putting them on his Pokemon yeah. cards yeah. and trying to scan them out. When they uh, when they confronted him, he was like, oh, hey, sorry. Uh, I got an emergency call. Calls coming on. Someone stole an Amazon truck. Or someone stole some Pokemon cards. <laughs> Someone stole the Pokemon cards. I gotta go. I gotta go. Well, he's taking twelve sets of these cards. It was worth uh, it was about three hundred and ninety four dollars. Um, as of August twenty twenty two, during I think we we're still a little bit in like the the money laundering era and the NFT era. Uh, Logan Paul he bought a five point two seven five million dollar. How's that working out Pokemon for him these card. days? You think that's still a good buy? 
The Pokemon card? Yeah, for $5.2 million. I don't know. I don't think they're like the, some of the valuations you saw in those things. Yeah. I don't see how you ever get back to those because it was just so out of the realm of. What's the, what's the, what's the best one you got? Do you know? You know, my kids, they have most of them. I have a yeah. couple just so I can trade with them. Yeah. Um, you don't have anything like worth cash? No. So yeah. at Infin Infinity Flux, our local Pokemon store, and they buy, like, they have a binder there. Yeah. And they'll, sometimes they'll buy, like, the VMAX cards, which are slightly nicer yeah. ones yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Uh, yeah. like, $18. Yeah, that's, you know. Yeah. Hey, you know, so I'm going to go to Torque, and I'm going to ride that autonomous truck, right? Yeah. Let's take a Very look cool. at this. I could do pretty well in this gingerbread creating competition that they got going on Ooh. here. Is that a, are you laying down a, a, a bet? This is a thing going on. Apparently, it's a team driver gingerbread competition. You got to make this gingerbread Well, you're in motion. Obviously, you don't yeah. want to be the driver. Yeah. And I... These things, like I've got one of these at Trader Joe's before, these kits. And yeah, come I've had with, these. I've gotten these before, yeah. They look a lot easier to create on you the box. You still need talent. You still have to have yes, talent. Yes, you really need talent. It's not <laughs> as easy as the simple <laughs> yeah. instructions say. No. But I will challenge you. If someone wants to provide a, the ride, uh, I'll challenge you to a, a gingerbread making competition in the uh, passenger seat of a Class A motor vehicle while driving around. They're pretty good because these can get frustrating quick. They can collapse in on themselves. That stuff, it's not glue you have there. You have the. Yeah, but uh, it might frosting. as well be. You ever try that that stuff? Yeah, it's not good. No. No. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not. It's not something you're going to want to eat after. No. No, no, no. Now, when you go gingerbread house, do you go like from scratch or are you you a kit kind of person? Kit. Kit. My my wife will do like one from uh, uh, scratch because she likes to do that type of stuff. But kit's much easier because you, you get regular sized places, right? I mean, you, when you go do it from scratch, you got to know how to bake too. Yeah, <laughs> so that's true. And you got yeah, you got to. But look at that. See, they even got the walkway down, right? You got to have the yeah, landscaping yeah. and all that stuff. It was a little small though. Like you don't think that was a small gingerbread house? It was, but I mean, you know, given the you know location, that's pretty solid. I've just seen bigger gingerbread houses before. I agree with you. I've seen bigger ones as well. You ever hit the um, the gas instead of the brake? Yes, Roger did. <laughs> Look at that. Not on a motorcycle, though. It's pretty Roger. easy to. <laughs> what happened to Roger? Are you okay? I don't know if what Roger's did okay. You do? I hit the gas instead of the brake. <laughs> yeah, he did, Roger. He didn't even have a helmet. Now. He didn't well, even didn't have, have a helmet. helmet. That's what she's wearing. Let's roll that one more time. Let's, let's see what Roger hit here. What did he crash into the flat? Just what did he take out there? It looked like it was a pole. <laughs> it was a pole holding up the. Oh, it's a drain pipe. Is it the gutter yeah, pipe. drain pipe. Interesting. Uh, so I, how hard would it be to mistake the gas for the brake on a motorcycle? On a motorcycle? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, one is you click like this, and no, one you turn you, like this. Don't you turn the handle like this to brake? Isn't that how you do it? <laughs> so many people who like, they what? I confused it. <laughs> Anyways, let's make you scared of owls. Let's take a look at I'm this picture. I'm already frightened let's of owls. Let's take a look at what this owl did to this lady. Look at her. It attacked her not just once. This owl attacked her twice. It's marked her. Um, a Newsweek report says a woman was left crawling on her hands and knees after a feisty <laughs> owl attacked her without warning twice. An owl looks like that. owl's usually warned. Like a warning. Like, ah. I didn't get any warning when one came at my head, dude. I mean, but it didn't even attack her twice on the same night. It's no, just over weeks. No, so, well, yeah, and it's usually <laughs> at night when it happens. But yeah. this 30-year-old lady, she says she was, uh, you know, she went down to Uber Eats to get a job at Jakarta, and there was just a bunch of owls there. No, it said <laughs> I'd seen the owl around the property before and had even taken pictures of it pre previously, and she never had a problem. I've definitely never experienced like this with anything like this with an owl before. I was, it was a bit like being punched in the back of the head. I called the doctor Monday morning and they had me come in that day for a tetanus shot. Oh yeah. She had cuts. Um, 
They didn't. They did not appear to be infected. And the uh, local animal control says if you must walk past a nest, wave your arms slightly overhead to keep the birds at a distance. Um, other protective actions include wearing a hat or helmet or carrying an umbrella. She is wearing a uh, an umbrella now every time she leaves her house. Yes. This isn't the only owl thing to go on. Police in Arizona warn against buying owls from strangers while you're on drugs. Yeah. KTR News says police in Arizona made one of the strangest public service announcements in law enforcement history this week. The patient police department would like to take this opportunity to encourage the public not to use methamphetamine. Um... Well, purchasing illegal owls for $100. (laughs) That is awfully specific. Don't be a stranger. Peace and love spread it everywhere.